Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, through chapter 4, verse 8. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. Around AD 64, one of the early church leaders named Timothy was in the city of Ephesus. Timothy was a ministry partner and friend of the Apostle Paul. While in Ephesus, Timothy's primary responsibility was to train leaders in the church. False teachers, however, had come to Ephesus and were attempting to lead the church astray. Around that same time, the Apostle Paul was in a Roman prison. While in prison, Paul wrote a letter to Timothy what has become known as 2 Timothy. Traditionally, 2 Timothy has been viewed as the last letter Paul wrote before his death. The letter has many personal elements to it, as Paul reminded Timothy of the essentials of Christian ministry. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, Paul even encouraged Timothy to come to Rome to visit him. But in our passage for today, this letter becomes more of a passing of the torch moment between friends. Through Paul's impassioned words, he offers instructions for the journey that is before Timothy. So let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, through chapter 4, verse 8. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. 
For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelists, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, Paul warned Timothy about false teachers who claimed to be godly, but lived selfishly and lacked God's power. Timothy was different, however, and Paul wanted to motivate him to follow Paul's example in the faith. In chapter 3, verses 10 to 17, as our scripture begins for today, Paul reminds Timothy of three key resources for his ongoing journey of faith and ministry. The first resource for Christian discipleship is the example of Paul. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. The word know has the meaning of a student faithfully following a teacher. Timothy knew Paul well because he had spent many years traveling with him. The things that Paul said Timothy knew are very compelling. Note that Timothy knew Paul's teaching. Timothy was firmly grounded in the gospel in order to deal with the false teachers that had entered the Ephesian church. But Timothy's knowledge of Paul went deeper than just what Paul taught with his words. Timothy knew Paul's way of life. This consisted of what Paul did as a minister of the gospel. Timothy's knowledge of Paul included knowledge of his actions and his response to difficult situations. We see how Paul handled stress and suffering, and Paul still faithfully preached the gospel. But there was even more to Timothy's knowledge of Paul. Timothy knew Paul's character. Paul's purpose was to testify to the good news of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 12, uh, chapter 20, verse 24, Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. This life mission required faith. Paul had learned to trust in God's grace in some of the most difficult situations imaginable. You might remember his list of ministry challenges found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 
verses 23 to 27. There you'll find that Paul was often in prison. He had been flogged or beaten severely at least eight times. He was exposed to death multiple times. He was pelted with stones, was shipwrecked, spent a night and a day in the open sea, was constantly on the move, had been in danger from rivers, bandits, from fellow Jews, from Gentiles, in the city, in the country, at sea, and from false believers. Paul had gone without sleep, without food, and without water. He had lived cold and without clothing, all for the sake of the gospel. Suffering for Christ was a part of Paul's calling. Through the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, he had developed patience to endure suffering. And through it all, Timothy had seen Paul's love for God and love for others only grow. Let me just comment here that we often learn and grow because of navigating difficult circumstances. People are tested in the fire. Our best mentors are not those who led a charmed life or seem to always have it together. Instead, we often learn from those who know suffering and loss and through it discover grace for endurance. Like Timothy, we can benefit greatly from examples who've mentored us, not just by their words and information, but by their way of life and their ministry. In verse 11, Paul actually lists three cities where he experienced such persecution, Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. These three cities were part of Paul's first missionary journey. Paul ends this list with encouragement and confidence when he said, the Lord rescued me from all of them. Paul was not kept from suffering, but endured with the help of the Lord Jesus. And Timothy had witnessed it all. This kind of suffering was not just the difficult journey for Paul. Paul promised in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We often tend to think Jesus was so good, loving, and kind. If someone lives like Jesus today, he will be loved and appreciated by everybody. In that, if that was the case, why did Jesus hang on a tree and shed his own blood? The world rejects the light of holiness still today. We're not promised a smooth road when our leader, Jesus, who calls us to follow him, experienced persecution. The second source of Christian discipleship can be memories from one's upbringing. In verse 14, Paul directly addresses Timothy with the words, but as for you, Paul reminds Timothy of how he had been brought up in the faith. Paul said, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, verse 14. And from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, verse 15. According to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Timothy was blessed with a grandmother named Lois and a mother named Eunice who modeled sincere faith. Admittedly, not all of us have had such a blessing. 
For some, childhood memories can be quite painful. Even such difficult times can become a resource for discipleship through the healing power of God's spirit and the encouragement and gentle counsel of godly mentors and pastors. But for those parents and grandparents who are listening today, please know that your Christ-like living, teaching, and training can be of great blessing to your children and grandchildren. Discipling your children is not the church's responsibility. It's your responsibility. They will learn to love God's word by watching you love God's word. They will learn to talk with Jesus by listening to you talk naturally with him. They will learn to endure hardship in faith by walking in your footsteps. The church is to come alongside and help with encouragement and experience, but you are God's primary plan for discipling your family. The third resource for Christian discipleship is Holy Scripture. Paul concludes chapter three with a very well-known passage about the scriptures. We find six ways that scripture is useful in verses 15 and 16. It makes you wise for salvation. It is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching. It is useful for rebuking. It is useful for correcting. And finally, number six, it is useful for training in righteousness. I would like to spend a little time today talking about scripture from a Wesleyan perspective. Wesleyan tradition has viewed scripture as the primary source for Christian teaching and doctrine from its beginnings. John Wesley said, oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be a man of one book. You might remember from last, last week's lesson in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, Peter said, prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> when Wesley spoke on that verse, he said, it is not any man's own word. It is God, not the prophet himself, who thereby interprets things till then unknown. Wesley reiterated that God is the ultimate source of all scripture. But the Wesleyan tradition also insists that scripture itself underscores the role the human authors had in writing in the, of the biblical text. The spirit assisted human authors as they wrote with these authors employing their personal God-given skills regarding how best to communicate what they sensed regarding the divinely inspired message. So for Wesley, the scriptures were a product of collaboration between God through the Holy Spirit and the human biblical authors. Wesley takes the work of the Spirit one step farther. He spoke of the Holy Spirit's work when reading scripture as well. He said the Spirit of God not only inspired those who wrote it, but continually inspires, supernaturally assists those that read it with earnest prayer. Some later referred to this as double inspiration. 
that is the inspiration of the spirit on the writer and the inspiration of the spirit on the reader today. Both are necessary, according to Wesley, for the scriptures to fully come alive for each new day. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 states that the scripture is God breathed. This is literally translated inspired by God. For Wesleyan readers, we understand this to mean that God inspired it in the past as the authors wrote, and God it continues to inspire today as believers read in humility with, within the fellowship of the body of Christ. I would like to give a simple caution with this understanding. <clears throat> we must test everything. We're not to walk the road of discipleship alone or in a vacuum. Instead, we take our prayerful thoughts on scripture to trusted friends to see if they agree with our interpretation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 and 22 says, test everything, hold on to what is good, reject every appearance of evil. Notice the twofold purpose of scripture according to Paul. First, it helps us to be wise about salvation, verse 15. And second, it forms us in holiness so that we can do good works, verses 16 and 17. As we move to 2 Timothy chapter 4, we find Paul's charge to Timothy. The charge was given with two witnesses, that is, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. By calling on God and Christ Jesus, Paul makes Timothy accountable to them and motivates him to be faithful in the difficult mission in Ephesus. Paul's charge includes five commands. Just a side note, these commands are used when someone is ordained in the Church of the Nazarene. Here they are. Preach the word. Always be prepared in season and out of season. Correct people. Rebuke people. Encourage people. The goal of Timothy's ministry should be to lead people to faith and new life in Christ. It's the goal of all of our ministry. The most effective way to do this would be with great patience and careful instruction. Patience is perhaps the most important virtue to cultivate in the handling of scripture for the purpose of wise discipleship. We need patience to keep our heads, according to verse five, in the face of human sin, failure, and struggle. I remember meeting a young man named Aaron in my first ministry assignment. Aaron was an alcoholic and a drug user. The day I first met Aaron in his home. He repented of his sins and put his trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. I remember vividly when Aaron took me into his kitchen that day and with shaking hands poured out two large bottles of whiskey straight into the sink. He was serious about his relationship with God and was determined to follow God from day one. Nine months later, Adam... Aaron fell back into drinking and drugs. I was only 28 years old, and I must admit that my heart was broken. 
I went to the altar on Sunday, crushed, and cried my eyes out for Aaron. Through patience, our church continued to walk with Aaron. Today, 25 years later, Aaron is clean and sober, but is still wrestling with what it means to follow Jesus in full obedience. Why do I tell you this story? Discipleship ministry is not for the faint of heart. It takes great patience and careful instruction, according to Paul. Don't give up on anyone. Continue to love. Continue to correct. Continue to instruct. Be patient in the power of the Holy Spirit. For in Christ, there is still hope. Paul, again, offered himself as an example to Timothy of faithfulness to one's calling in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. He referred to himself as a drink offering. Both Greco-Roman and Jewish contexts use drink offerings as a sacrifice. Paul had poured out his life in ministry like a drink offering. His final sacrifice was near. He, like Peter, knew that his death was near. His testimony was that he had fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. Like ancient runners who received a wreath of honor for winning a race, Paul would receive the crown of righteousness, verse 8. May I encourage you, like Paul did with Timothy, continue in what you have learned through faith in Jesus. Persevere. Endure hardship. Make disciples through the good times and the bad. For when you arrive in that last day, when Jesus' final judgment comes, you will be glad to be found faithful. We have much to do in following Paul's example. The time is short. The harvest is plentiful. Are you willing to be a drink offering by pouring your life out in ministry for Christ's kingdom? Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.